Uh, Rory began with a picture of um, Civic Video. I'm going to keep the 1980s vibe going um, and tell you that the 1980s were responsible for some truly horrendous movies. I don't know if you've yet forgiven Sylvester Stallone for Stop or My Mum Will Shoot. Um, I kind of wish someone had shot. Without a doubt, though, the worst movie of the 1980s was a movie called Beaches. You might wonder how I know. I was dating in the 1980s. That's why I saw that movie a lot. Um, Every smart 17-year-old knows you're more likely to get a kiss at the end of the night if the girl has cried. And so the tagline says, some relationships last forever. And it seemed to me that the movie did too. If you've never seen it, Beaches is this weepy tearjerker about a lifelong relationship between a lawyer who is frankly so dull that it's a relief when she dies and and a Hollywood singer who's played by Bette Midler. And there's a scene in this. Bette Midler's character is so narcissistic. There's this scene where she's talking to another character non-stop for ages and ages and ages. And then at one point she stops and she says, so enough about me. What do you think about me? (laughs) And I have to admit, that's actually how I kind of feel about this talk. You see, the topic that I have been given to speak on this evening is my leadership style. We're not looking at Jesus' leadership style. (laughs) We're not looking at Paul's We're not even looking at a good leadership style. (laughs) I just have to talk about my leadership style. And there's a Q&A at the end, which means that I'm going to get to say, so enough about me, what do you think about me? (laughs) Just call me Bette Midler for the rest of the conference. But thankfully, over the years, I've discovered that I'm actually just a bog-standard human being, and so I'm like just about everyone else in the room. And one way I've come to think about leading and leadership style, both at church and in staff teams is a little bit like levels on a sound desk. So different levels, different factors will play louder or softer in our leadership depending on the scenario we're in. And I've, I've discovered what I think might be four of them. So one factor that definitely affects my leadership style is my convictions. Like everyone else in the room, I have theological convictions. And I think Andrew actually summed up loads of them earlier. It's things like the reality of heaven and hell. Things like penal substitution, the idea of servant leadership, the the eschatology that we hold. And these theological convictions, they shape our leadership style, don't they? They often provide the why for what we're doing. But alongside them, we also have a whole stack of convictions about how we do ministry. So things like the importance of building teams, that evangelism has to be at the absolute heart of everything, otherwise nothing else works. The idea of working on the ministry, not just in the ministry. Over the last 20 years, 25 years, I think I've built this fairly complex system of convictions that I hold to. And like most of us, this is where I'd love to think that I lead from. That is, if you ask me, I'll say, I'm a conviction-driven guy. And when we come to conferences like this, when people ask us questions, we tend to jump straight to our convictions, don't we? When we want to answer people, we kind of stroke our chin and we go... Oh, look, this is definitely what I would do. This seems to me to be, the, without a doubt, that's the road I'd go down because I'm a conviction-driven guy. The thing is, I actually reckon my personality has had just as big an impact on my leadership style, in fact, sometimes more. So personality is all the messy things that make us who we are. Am I an introvert or am I an extrovert? 
Am I loud or quiet? Am I active or passive? Am I chaotic? Am I organised? How mature am I? What kind of family did I grow up in? I may not be as aware of these things. They may not be as conscious as my convictions, but I'm kidding myself if I think that I'm not leading from them, right? So for me, I'm kind of the Myers-Briggs thing as well. I'm ENFP. In other words, I'm an extrovert, but not massively. I'm intuition over observing every time. I'm feeling over thinking. I'm perceiving over judging. Is anyone else in the room similar to me? Yeah. Now, of course, that's going to shape my leadership, isn't it? I mean, how do, how do I go about making decisions? Here is my normal process. I'll gather a whole bunch of people around, usually far more people than need to be in the room, and then we'll just talk in circles for hours and I'll get out the whiteboard and we'll draw pictures and we'll dream about the future. And once we've finished drawing the pictures, I kind of lose interest. I don't mind what happens after that <laughs> because we've talked about the future and it was great fun. And I usually come to a decision, but I can't actually tell you why. Usually you've got to come back to me a week later before I can tell you why I came to that kind of decision. But I'm all impatient to get going. Because I'm the ENFP kind of guy. Now, on top of that, I'm the rampant enthusiast. For me, the exciting questions are always, they're never about how, how we're going to get there. That doesn't interest me. It's does it move me? That's what I get excited about. And so that's how I lead. I try and grab people and I try and enthuse them with a vision. And most of the time, I really don't have any idea about how we're going to get there. But I can promise you it's exciting. So I'm excitable, I'm people-oriented by and large, but at the same time, if you ask people in my church, they'll also tell you I'm a little bit detached. So I'm involved, I'm affable, but I don't like getting too involved. I don't want to get too involved in people's lives, and on top of that, I'm a massive conflict avoider, which means I'm a mess. (laughs) Now, does that affect my leadership style? You bet, in a whole bunch of ways, both good and bad as well. The third thing that affects our leadership style, my leadership style, is my gifts and skills. There are some things that I'm good at and there are other things that, frankly, I'm a bit rubbish at. So for me, I've always been happy in a crowd. I think I was about three months into MTS when Al Stewart put his hand on my shoulder and he said, whatever you do, preach, just learn first what it is you've got to say. (laughs) But frankly, (laughs) frankly, I suck at leading growth groups. I'm a terrible growth group leader. I'm a good persuader because I'm an enthusiast and I can enthuse people and I'm good at convincing people to come with me, but I'm actually not a very good counsellor because counselling is about helping that person to decide where they want to go and where's the fun in that? I'm not interested in that. (laughs) I married a psychologist. We're constantly batting heads. I don't know if you've ever done the Gallup Strength Finder stuff. We've used it a fair bit. Uh, We found it great fun. And actually pretty accurate. Here's what Gallup said my top five strengths were. Futuristic, communication, activator, strategic and maximizer. All of which is a really poncy way of saying I'm good at vision in the future. And I like selling it and I'm impatient to get there and I want to think about how we're going to do stuff. And that's actually pretty accurate. Does it affect my leadership style? Well, in a minute, we're going to look at two events of my leadership and you'll see that my leadership has been really dominated by what I do well and it's been damaged by what I do badly. But before we get there, the last thing about uh, leadership, I think, is we're affected by circumstances. So the city I'm in, the denomination, denomination that I happen to be part of, our budget, my health, my mental health, 
Am I a planter or am I the successor? How big is my church? What's the history of the church? Is there opposition in there? How many times have you been at a conference like this and a colleague says to you, why don't you try this as if it's some great answer and you think, well, if you only knew my circumstances, you know that's a dumb idea because circumstances really matter, don't they? See, we like to think that we're always maxing out conviction on the sound desk. But if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, really it's a mixture of levels. My conviction, my personality, my gifts and skills, my circumstances, they all shape leadership style. And just for fun, one other complicating factor is they all change over time. So my convictions have shifted. At the beginning of my ministry when I was doing MTS, I was convicted about shepherding, one-to-one ministry, and over time... I've become convicted about ranching. My personality has changed as well. I mentioned to you that I'm affable, friendly enough, but detached. I wasn't always. I used to love going deep with people in one-to-one ministry, but over the years, I'm just exhausted in it. I've had to pull back. I mentioned I'm a conflict avoider. I wasn't always. I used to be quite happy to do conflict, but over the time, conflict's taken its toll. Our circumstances. We've, over the years, we've grown from about 20 people to around about 1,000. A staff team of me part-time to 25. There are loads of things about all the levels. They're constantly shifting. Now, what I've discovered is, what that means is, in any given situation, my leadership style is actually a mix of all of them with maybe one or two dominating and often I'm not even aware which is which at the time. So in the nine minutes or so I've got left, I want to walk you through two events in our ministry. One, how we started, and two, how I handled our biggest leadership crisis, and then I'll pull it together at the end. I kicked off in Newcastle in 1999, uh, starting with AFES, and then a year later we repotted Unichurch. And I've got to say, conviction did play a part. I was convicted about the need to get out of Sydney, to take the gospel outside of Sydney. And I was also convicted about team building, so I'd actually recruited our second worker before we left college. He was already locked in. I was convicted about those things. But I've got to admit, most of this was actually driven by my personality and my gifts. So why'd we go out of Sydney in the first place? I just thought it would be a great adventure. I was convicted about the gospel, but the idea of the North where the gospel wasn't being preached, I just thought that was a great adventure. It was going to be huge fun. That is enthusiasm actually drove my choice. And enthusiasm was how we repotted Unichurch. So in 2000, Unichurch at Newcastle, there were about 20 people left from an all-but-failed church plant. There'd been two ministers who'd both burned out, and the 20 or so people who were left were exhausted or depressed or both. And a smart person would have shut the doors Here is my pitch to them. I said, Newcastle has got 300,000 people. Let's plant 35 churches and let's start an MTS program and we'll send off hundreds of people to Bible college. In fact, let's start a Bible college. I actually suggested to these people that we plant our own Bible college. I was like, let's have a red hot go to a whole bunch of people who are depressed. Only about two of them are still with us. (laughs) I totally ignored circumstances. I was long on enthusiasm. I had no details. I had no plan. But most of them actually came with me. Um, 
And that is, my leadership was entirely driven by my personality at that point. And I was also driven by my gifts. I didn't really have a plan. I just started preaching and doing loads and loads of one-to-one ministry. So I was doing three new sermons every week because we started an extra congregation. I was still preaching on campus. I was doing about 20 one-to-ones a week and no administration at all. (laughs) I had no idea how things like supper turned up at church. They just turned up. And it turned out that it was Emma, who's lucky to have me. turned out it was Emma who was <laughs> racing around, picking up all these balls that I dropped. That is, instinctively, I just started with my personality and I started with my gifts. Was it a good thing? In some ways, yeah. In other ways, absolutely not. So flash forward 10 years. 2010 was our hardest year ever. It was the hardest single year of my life. It was a year that I exited with clinical depression. And part of the hardness was we had to remove a long-standing leader, someone who actually predated me, and so I was dealing with circumstances. Now, again, my personality played a huge role in how I led because even though initially I was happy enough to be engaged in conflict when I was younger, by 10 years in, I was fairly bruised. I was a conflict avoider, and so even though I'd had my suspicions for years, I'd never dug into them. And I'd never removed him because I just couldn't stand the fights, to be honest. Which, of course, made things far worse when it finally came to it. It was only when one of our staff really bravely pushed into the situation that I got going. But then my convictions did drive me forward. Once we knew what that leader really did believe, I became convicted. That is, I was convicted that God's people needed to be protected. I was convicted that the gospel needed to be defended and preached and safeguarded. And I was convicted that my job was to protect Jesus' sheep. And so I was hugely driven uh, by conviction through this process, even though my personality was shrinking back and even though I didn't have the organisational skills to lead it through that situation. And yet even through that, as we look back, my personality and gifts played a role. We got a consultant to come in afterwards. It was very helpful. His take on my leadership throughout this whole thing was I'd been way too consultative and way too slow Because I just wanted to persuade this guy. I'd wanted to win him over. I wanted him to come on the adventure with us when actually what he needed to be was removed. And that was my personality at play. And when we did remove him, it's interesting, the lever that I pulled hardest was my gifts. It was preaching and it was persuasion. So I called a church meeting and I tried to persuade our church. We had Q&A so that I could explain and convince people. I then preached this long series on Romans because the issue was actually about justification. And looking back, I can see that my leadership style was very dominated by my personality and my gifts as well as conviction. So where does all this leave us? Let's tie together some threads. My first conclusion is... Leadership style is, my leadership style has never been as conviction driven as I might like to imagine. As I look at my long term patterns and as I look at key events, I can see those other things personality, gifts, circumstances all affecting me enormously. And my guess is you're probably the same. And so the first recommendation I'd want to give is we need to do some healthy self examination. It's worth looking back on your ministry if you've been involved for a while. It's worth looking back on your patterns and key events and asking yourself, why did I take that path? Really, why did I take that path? Why did I handle it that way? 
What role did my conviction, my personality, my gifts and circumstances actually, and were those influences good or bad? Because my second conclusion is, convictions are different to the other three. That is, personality and gifts and circumstances describe how things are. Our convictions describe how things ought to be. So I may be an introvert or an extrovert, but the fact is Christ must be preached. I may be an Anglican or a Presbyterian, but the fact is the Bible must be obeyed. These convictions are about how things ought to be. And so the recommendation here is use your convictions to critique and manage the other three. So sometimes our personality and our gifts are exactly what's needed and you just go with them. And that is a smart leader, I think, knows their natural way of doing things. But they also know when it's not right. So sometimes we will work, and I will work, in my circumstances. Other times I'll fight to change them. And conviction's the thing that helps us to work out which, isn't it? Sometimes I'll personally turn on the enthusiasm and the persuasion and will, will push me in preaching. So we're about to have a building campaign, and a preaching series is right at the heart of it. And I'm going to be at dinners and I'm going to be trying to enthuse people and I'm going to be in lounge rooms and and doing the Q&As and we're going to milk my personality and my gifts for all we can. But conviction has showed us that we need to do something more. We need to give people time alone to really consider and to talk in their family about it. And so there's quiet time material as well and there are family devotions. And even though I'm not big on details, it turns out that this time people probably should know how we're going to get there and what kind of building it's going to be. And in fact, truthfulness and integrity demand the detailed plan. So I think convictions become the thing that shape how we interact with and how we manage the other three. Convictions lead. So it's interesting, just after I'd written this talk, even though I'm still a conflict avoider by personality, my convictions actually led me to initiate a conflict last Friday because it just had to happen. So there you have it. My leadership style... It's an evolving blend of conviction, personality, gifts and circumstances. Hopefully I'm becoming more self-aware and hopefully I'm being more and more led by my convictions. But enough about me. What do you think about me? (laughs) 